Welcome back, Beards Watch Podcast, episode 262, Charlotte's number one podcast recorded in the basement. Full zooming. We've got Jeeves, we got Duval. Duval made me nervous a little bit. Hit ignore all my calls. I was like, uh oh, something was serious about to happen. Then he jumped into the Zoom. So Duval, we'll start with you. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. My bad. As as you were calling, I was like, gosh, I'm grabbing my hat. I was like, I'll just I was getting ready to log in. I was like, as soon as I log in, he'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know he's good. But yeah, I'm doing pretty good, man. Thank you for having me on. As always, uh, if you're looking for me, Rod versus Duval on Twitter, just Duval on Instagram. All right, and G- that's right. Jeeves and Duvall both couldn't be here for the reaction party. They had prior engagements. Duvall, how was that? Go- you were up at A&T for your-, your dad's friend getting inducted to the Hall of Fame, you said? Yeah, so he got inducted to the uh, Black College Hall of Fame for A&T, which was really cool. Um, it was really nice, man. It was just one of those moments that, you know, you kind of just would never forget. And then, of course, man, you know, me and my dad, we were riding through. We rode down. We had some time to spare. We rode down by Friendly, <laughs> rode down by UNCG. And we were just like, gosh, this changed so much. It already changed so much in A&T. Yeah. It changed a lot of UNCG, too. But it was really nice. Um, they really showed him a lot of love. And um, I just hate I wasn't able to be here for the reaction. I missed 90% of the game, too, because, um, as you know, typically – at HBCUs, a lot of times it runs over a little bit. So they were like, oh, we'll, we'll be done at a certain time. I was like, okay, we're fine. But that didn't happen. But uh, but it was good, man. It was a great time. And what what sport did he get inducted? Basketball. Basketball, So okay. he, um, Yeah, so he was drafted in 85. He got drafted by the Golden State Warriors. He was on the same team as Chris Mullins. Okay. Um, and he played for Golden State for, I think, two years. And then he played overseas for about seven, eight years. He made enough money just to pretty much come back and take care of his family, and yeah. he kind of worked for the city until he passed last year. So, oh, okay. Well, so yeah, yeah. And what was his yeah, name? So he was a Eric Boyd. Okay. Eric All right. Boyd. Well, I'm glad you got he to go. Independence and nice. Well, I'm glad you got to go and check that out and all that stuff. But luckily, mm-hmm. we had a good, yeah. couple warm bodies for the reaction video. All right, Jeeves. Also went to a wedding. We talked. You said it was a good time yeah. down there at Kerrigan Farms. So how yeah. you doing tonight, Jeeves? It was, it was a good time. I'm um, just glad to be back. I'll be there Sunday rooting for them Panthers. Um, if you're looking for me on Twitter and Instagram, it is Jeeves1988. All right. And for myself on Twitter and Instagram, it is JRL Nation, the Beards Watch podcast on Facebook. And then you can find the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Amazon, Stitcher, all that good stuff. And as I was mentioning our, uh, our reaction videos, you can find us on YouTube. They see me rolling. We got the Panther reaction videos, our brewery reviews. Our beerio cards, all that good stuff. So subscribe there and have some laughs as well. All right, for our guest tonight, this kind of came about with a, a Twitter DM from uh, CJ Maldonado at Charlotte Independence. He said, "Hey, I'd love. To, I think we could make a collab." He's actually going to be on the podcast in a couple weeks, but he set this one up with connections. Tim Schultz, man, how you doing? Doing great. How about you guys? We're doing good. So. Good. For, for people who don't know who you are, just kind of give us a, a brief background and kind of what you're doing for the Charlotte Independence. Sure. Um, well, formally, I'm, I'm, I'm the president of the team. And okay. frankly, being a small, you know, minor league sports team, do whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, my, my focus is on uh, primarily the, the front office and revenue and making sure that we put on a great fan experience when they come to the new stadium and uh, 
making sure that our players have what they need and try to take the best care of them as we can. And um, I deal with a lot of personnel stuff. I've got uh, a team that we've built since COVID started to relax a bit ago. And obviously we're dealing with some more stuff now, but um, so dealt with a lot of personnel stuff to build a good team and um, been doing that for the last uh, couple of years for Jim McPhil and me. And it's going really well. We're having a lot of fun. So, how did you, you know, I see a Broncos helmet behind you. I see a Carolina basketball. looks like some signatures behind you. How did you end up where you are now? And I guess we can get to the fandom a little bit later, but what brings you, your career to this spot now? Well, sure. Um, I, I was very fortunate. I went to school up in the Midwest and went to college at Iowa State. When This will show, you know, my textbooks were, were uh, I'm so old, they were on uh, – stone tablets when I was there. I was, in the, I was actually in the big eight. So that tells you how old I am. Um, but I, I grew up wrestling. I grew up in Iowa. My dad was a coach and, and I knew I wanted to go to Iowa state cause I loved to wrestle and it was a great wrestling school. And, um, and when I was there, I realized I can't make any money doing wrestling. So <laughs> you learn, you learn pretty quick then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? Um, I went to I went to WWF. It was called at the time instead of WWE at Sioux City Auditorium where I grew up and realized how big those guys were. That was when Andre the Giant was still wrestling. And I was looking at that and saying, "Well, you're not going to be big enough to do that. I, I, I couldn't be a wrestler, and I couldn't make any, I couldn't make any money being a wrestler. So I decided I better go to school. And when I was at school, my second year, I stopped wrestling and uh, met a couple of cool dudes that were uh, twin brothers and they had a nightclub and they asked me if I'd like to run it for them because they were still wrestling and competing and didn't have time to do it. Yeah. So I went, I went to school and did that uh, my last two years. And when I was there, I met some guys from Coors and uh, just built a good relationship with them. And coming out of school, I uh, was fortunate enough to go into Coors, a new training program that they were doing for their field staff. And uh, um, I bounced around the country, worked for a really good guy that, promoted me five times in 10 years and I ended up in gold in the last four years managing our sports and entertainment properties on the western half of the country my last four years with the company and uh, just fell in love with sports and marketing uh, and how to leverage it and uh, decided to make a change and crossed over onto the what I call the property side of the desk and um retooled all of the uh, sponsorship sales efforts and sales tools and corporate partnerships uh, for one of the coolest sports on the planet with the NHRA drag racing. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a, man, I, I, I never never even got close to a drag race other than, you know, stomping on the gas in my big Datsun 200 pickup truck when I was in, in high school. Um, and, but I, I got to uh, – attend one of the events when they were talking to me about coming to work for them. I was blown away. I felt like, man, I could sell this. And yeah. so I, I, start, I started there. Uh, and then I got an opportunity to work for Bruton Smith's company in Sonoma. And it used to be Sears Point Raceway. And I built a good team out there. A lot of them are still there 20 years later, but was fortunate enough to sell the naming rights uh, to Infineon's technology and um, built a nice team and we grew the business and I had a recruiter call me and asked if I'd be interested in, uh, working in major league baseball. And I said, what do you got? And he said, um, chief marketing and sales officer for the Pittsburgh pirates. And, 
I flew into Pittsburgh and, and met with one of uh, the managing partner, Kevin McClatchy from the McClatchy newspaper group. And what, what was supposed to be an hour turned into like a two and a half hour conversation. And I didn't know it, but he called his primary owner, uh, a guy named Bob Nutting, who lived over in uh, Morganton, West Virginia, about an hour, hour and a half away. And Bob got in the car and drove over. And I guess they wanted to close the deal because they brought him in and, uh, and and they brought in his CFO to negotiate a deal. So I, was kind of, I was kind of blown away. I was thinking, well, hell, I've never been to Pittsburgh. I'm going to go in there and give it my best. And I figured it'd be a process. But by the time uh, I left that day, they said, we'd really love to have you come work for us. And, and we worked out a deal. And I got to go home and tell my wife that we were uh, moving away from Sonoma wine country to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So that was a whole yeah, I still get reminded of that once in a while. So <laughs> whenever we buy, whenever she wants to buy some wine, I just say yes, ma'am, and we get the wine. But, uh, <laughs> in about the middle of the third winter, when I had snow up to my keister in Pittsburgh uh, from the lake effect, I was like, man, it's cold. This reminds me of Iowa too much. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, I left Speedway Motorsports in good standing, and um, I, I called Marcus Smith and asked him if he had anything uh going on where they had a need for for someone to come and and he was like your timing's impeccable i'm moving up and Humpy's retiring and you can run come run the national sponsorship sales group and so i did that for a couple years and then he asked me to take on some other things and run the consumer side of charlotte motor speedway and the the marketing advertising communications and and um and some other stuff the production of the show on the big screen TV that we put in there and everything. So I did that for about 10 years. Um, was told I was no longer needed after we built a good team. And um, and, and uh, Marcus was going to step aside as the GM of the racetrack. And I was I was fortunate enough to be at the right time at the right place there and be a buffer and, and help him manage quite a few things. And But when they brought in a new GM, was a good friend of mine, Greg Walter, beautiful, wonderful guy. Um, I, I, they didn't really need me. I was an extra layer of management because he was the GM of the track and those are usually in the structure of that company. The folks I were managing would be direct reports to the GM. So, um, they treated me nice, treated me fairly on the way out, gave me a chance to get on my feet. And, um, a, a good friend of mine, Jim McPhillamy, who's managing, managing partner of the team, uh, with, with the, with the soccer team. And I called Jim because Goofy enough, I had asked Jim, I hired Jim when I was in Pittsburgh to help me uh, rebrand and reposition the Pirates. Jim at the time was working with uh, a guy named Greg Economo. I don't know if you ever know, met Greg over the years, but Greg was a CMO of the NBA. Then he was the CMO for Bob Johnson at the Bobcats. Oh, okay. And then, and then Greg became the president of sports at Ticketmaster. Well, he and Jim had an agency, and I hired them to come in at Pittsburgh and help me reposition that, and they did a great job, and Jim and I have been friends ever since, and uh, I called Jim, and I've just been blessed with good timing, and I'm not going to lie to you, sometimes it's just <laughs> lucky, you know, it's make, make sure you don't piss people off in your yeah. career, and, and, and then sometimes it just comes down to luck and timing, and I called Jim, and he told me what they were trying to do. They had a new stadium coming on board. They were getting three youth clubs to merge into this massive youth club. And, um, and 
the assets between the pro team and the youth club and, and, and the new stadium, he needed someone that could package that up and take it to market and, and, and monetize it and asked me if I would come to work with him. And, you know, I, I, I needed work, man. I got to take put food on the table. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> I said, you know, mama got to eat and kids need shoes. And, and, um, I've never been a soccer fan to be honest with you, but man, I love it now. Yeah. I, I love our guys. We got a great team this year. We got great character guys and they are really good. Um, and I've really become a fan. It's a lot of fun. Um, so that's how I got to soccer. But I've been to, I've been in Charlotte now almost 14 years. Okay. And and so it's home to us. We love it here. And uh, probably take a team of Clydesdales to drag my butt out of this city now. I love it. <laughs> yeah, really you good. got a good taste of a little bit of everywhere. And now you're kind of yeah. in the middling ground. Like you, you brought up Sonoma and wine country. Well, now out here, if you just drive a little bit west – you, you're popping into a ton of wineries that are popping up all over the place, so maybe you can you can make up on that back end since you're not in Sonoma anymore. Yeah, I, I, I've got to get up to Richard's uh, winery. I, I hear Richard Childress is making some pretty good wines now, and um, I, I would love to go up there and try that. I think my, my wife and I have just became empty nesters. I've got a son who's ah. a baseball player at Campbell and a son at Wilmington, and my daughter lives in Charleston, and so we're looking for things to do, and I think we, we might head up to see Richard's Winery and try some of the North Carolina wines we've we'll seen. Oh, yeah, there's there's ton of them out there. Raffaldini, you got Richard Childress. There's my, my parents, big, they love going up every week, and they're different wine club members and getting tons of boxes and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> it's definitely something now that you're empty nest, because I feel like that's what my parents almost did when you know when me and my brother and sister all moved out was they had to find something else to do. They didn't have any more sports games to go to on the weekends or whatever. So yeah, definitely make your trek out there. But so you've been in Charlotte fourteen years. How long have you been with the Independence? Uh, I started consulting in early two thousand nineteen. Okay. Came on full time. Came on full time uh, towards the I think it was about the fourth quarter of two thousand nineteen. And then we labored through last year with COVID, and uh, it was a tough year, man. Yeah. I mean, tough year on everybody, um, in particular sports entertainment and tourism mm-hmm. uh, and hospitality businesses really took it on the chin. Um, we were asked to compete and, and play um, by our league, and everybody took one for the team, and we competed in a very tough economic environment with no fans yeah. able to be there. and. You know, you look at it from the standpoint of your ticket sales, your concession sales, your parking, your souvenir sales are usually, if you don't have a TV rights deal, you're looking at the two, three, four, and five revenue streams, right? They're gone. Yeah. And you you got to try to make it work. And bottom line is our owners reach deep into their pockets to fund the losses and keep the team alive. And, um, and, you know, they they love the team. They love the city. They didn't want to see anything happen to the team and and they funded significant seven figure losses last year to to get us through a very difficult year and um you know i'm fortunate to have a group of owners like that and you know some some teams uh decided across all sports that you know what uh we're gonna we're gonna shut up shop yeah close up our you know and no longer exist but uh 
our, our owners are committed to the to the club and committed to our employees and um it was a difficult year, but we got through it, and this year has been a lot more fun, I'll be honest with you. It's been a tremendous year so far at a new stadium. And, uh, like I said, we were able to build a team and really just kind of start fresh and hire some really good character people. And, um, and we just we got a lot of, lot of good folks that love to come to work with each other, similar to our players on the field. They, they love playing with each other and for each other. And, I'd like to believe that we've built that kind of group in the front office as well. It's a lot of fun to come to work. Now, Duvall, I know you got something cooking over there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I um, kind of like, kind of just to kind of piggyback off of Jacob, you've kind of been able to dabble in a little bit of everything. I mean, you went from, you know, all different sports, um, and soccer is where you are now. Is there another sport that you kind of want to get into and kind of maybe still do the same field? Because here in Charlotte, we've got a couple of other major league teams and minor league teams. We've got the the Knights, and then we've got, of course, the Hornets and the Panthers. Um, is is there any other sport that you may want to say, okay, if I if I'm with the Independence for a couple of years, can I branch over and kind of just jump downtown, or is it kind of like this is kind of where I'm at for a while? That's a great question. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, next year our team will most likely move down one level in USL to League One. There's a lot of advantages financially for us to do that. and also enables us to have a cozier relationship with Tepper Sports Group and, and perhaps train some of their young players that aren't quite ready to move up to MLS but are certainly on the right path. And, they need them to compete at a high level will, will be a, a solution in their toolbox, if you will. A lot of MLS teams use USL teams in that fashion. Um, if I had, if I had, I'll tell you, Duval, I, I didn't realize I would love baseball as much as I did. Um, okay. But I will tell you that 81 home games is a long season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were, you were there every night till the lights could shut out in the stadium and it is a long season um when i went to the pirates we had lost 13 years in a row when i got there and by the time i left we had a losing record 16 years in a row but uh, we had a really good team that we put together there and we put up our second third and fifth largest ticket sales uh years in the history of the team even though they made the world series and Hosted a bunch of all-star games and everything. We, we built a really good business plan, a good team, and and it was a lot of fun. It sucked on the field because we were awful, um, <laughs> but it was but it, but it was a lot of fun, and we were celebrating a lot of wins in the front office. And, and quite honestly, we put we put the team in a much better position financially to consolidate ownership, to build a, a recruiting and, and development academy down in the Dominican Republic to improve our our spring training and rehab facilities in Bradenton and so that was a really fun run um but if if I had an opportunity to do anything um you know the NFL guys got it easy they got 10 home games they got two (laughs) eight or nine home games whatever they're going to have for their schedule and and that's their season um you know it's a incredibly strong league um and if you're really good at what you do, you can take care of your family well. But those jobs are hard to come by. I've had the opportunity to work in the NFL at the same time 
that I was talking to the Pirates. I was talking to an NFL team, and um, it wasn't quite the role that the Pirates was, and I didn't think that I was going to learn a lot. And the Pirates role really stretched me. I had four or five areas of responsibility that I had never had before, and it was going to stretch me, and I and I wanted that, and it taught me a lot. Um, but I would tell you, the NFL would be fun. Um, I also, um, I, I like the idea, I, I, I've never really chased one of them, but there's a position in most athletic uh, offices at colleges, and it's usually a senior associate athletic director of external affairs or something like that. And it's basically everything the AD doesn't want to mess with. And, <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and it's the revenue. It's ticket sales, it's marketing, it's fan engagement, it's sponsorship. And, you know, that's my wheelhouse. And I, 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 would, I would love to go home to my alma mater and do that for my alma mater, but um, that's not an easy thing to get done. Um, those jobs are highly coveted as well, and timing is, is a lot of it. But, uh, you know, if someone came to me and said, boy, we got that position at, at uh, UNC Chapel Hill or, or even UNC Charlotte, I love UNC Charlotte, uh, or any of the universities in the state, if my, my time was up at, at the Independence, then yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd take a run at that. I love the environment of college sports. There's just something different. With the, with the kids on campus and um, just game day Saturdays for football, I think is one of the most amazing environments in sports and, and entertainment. Yeah, so you, you brought up the, the Tepper and playing nice with him. What was that like? Were you with the Independents at the time when he got the team, the MLS team here? Yeah. So yeah. I know there was kind of a little bit of a brussling at the front because all of a sudden it was like, I always joke with Duvall and Jeeves about, and we've been in Charlotte for 20, 30 years now ourselves, yeah. and it's always been, oh, when's when's the Major League Baseball coming to Charlotte? That's the next one, right? Beside, we got basketball, we got football, whatever, and no one mentioned MLS. There wasn't a soul that mentioned it. I mean, there was a couple of your, your rabid soccer fans, but then out of nowhere, Tepper, within owning the Panthers in, a, what, a season and a half, smacks down, I can't remember the number he smacked down to get a team here, and... and jumped a bunch of franchises and cities and got it here. And it was like, whoa, okay. And then everyone jumped on board and all this and that. And I know there might have been some like, wait a second, holy crap. We had, you know, trying to figure out where you guys' place was. And with this billionaire being able to throw all the money in the world at everything, what kind of was, how did that kind of, what was the building like inside and what were y'all's next step to figure out, okay, we obviously don't want to necessarily compete against this guy, but we want to make sure, as you mentioned, uh, the avenue of helping them out so that we can maybe get some of that cash flow potentially. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, you know, when someone worth $18 billion says they want a sports franchise, they really want it. If they're patient over time, they, they'll probably find a way to, to buy it, right? Yep. Um we were, I think everybody was surprised at the expediency of <laughs> how quickly it happened. But frankly, if you're Don Garber at the MLS and someone wants to pay you a hundred million dollars yep. more, yep, literally 50% gain, right? Yep, in your franchise fee, 
um, you just made your MLS owners really happy. <laughs> okay, now those guys that got in early for twelve million and eighteen million, now the going rate for an MLS franchise is three hundred and twenty-five million dollars. Yep. As if you're Don Garber, you can't say no to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it it went to prove, you know, just how much Mr. Tepper wanted the franchise. Yeah. And I, and I applaud him for that. You yeah. know, uh, there's, there's sometimes, you know, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's timing, sometimes it's aggressiveness. And in this instance, it was all three combined and, <laughs> and, and he got it done and he got it done. Um, as far as the impact on us, I think that still remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, I, I believe you're going to have two very different products and two different experiences uh, on the field. You're okay. going to have, um, I call it rock and roll soccer. I think they're going to be big and boisterous and lights and smoke and all kinds of um, hype in the stadium, and it'll be really cool. And um, their pricing is out, yeah. um, it's not cheap yeah. to go to the game. And by the standards of the league, they're on the upper end of that. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, we're similar to the Knights. We just happen to have our major league team in town, but we're going to be a very talented young team that's a, a development step to either a, a league in South America or the English Premier League or MLS. Okay. Our player would end up going to. So and in some instances, by going to League One, um, we'll have the blessing of the USL to be able to help develop the future MLS players that they want to keep an eye on locally and, and develop the way they want them developed. So um, what we have to be able to demonstrate, I think, is that there's enough people who love soccer that can't pay MLS season ticket prices that still want to go to a few MLS games but want to go to a lot of soccer and will be there. And I think – there's two markets that are available to us there. One is young families with kids who aren't necessarily vice presidents and tunning it yet, you know? Yeah. Um, but you can come to a game with us, get four hot dogs, four drinks, and four seats for 99 bucks. Yeah. So it'll be like taking your family to the movies from a cost standpoint when yeah. you all said. Um, the other one is I think young millennials will end up gravitating to our stadium. Um, it, it's, I think they'll look at it from the standpoint of stretching their dollars a bit, wanting to support soccer, wanting to support um, a franchise that cares about the community and invests in the community and serves the community a lot. And we hope that we can engage them to do that. And we'll have hopefully a whole bunch of craft beers to choose from. Uh, on the concourse <laughs> and have a, have a great experience for them when they get there. And you guys' stadium, it's it's the old uh, Memorial Stadium, correct? Memorial Stadium, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. They called it a renovation, but, you know, guys, when you renovate something, you replace your cabinet doors and your, and your granite counters. Yeah. They, they literally tore the whole stadium out. Okay. And they, and they widened it so we could host international games. And they moved it about 30 meters to the east uh, to make more room for it as well. Um, but it was literally every building, every bleacher, everything was torn out, and they <laughs> built it from the from the ground up. And it's beautiful. It's it's 
10,500 seats. Uh, it's very intimate. It's sunken bowl, but out, it's a horseshoe. Um, out the end of the horseshoe, you can see the city skyline. And at night when, the, when all the companies have their lights lit up there, I mean, it's, it's fantastic environment to watch a game. Um, yeah, we, as far as USL goes, we've got one of the better stadiums now to play in just from an environment standpoint. So we got to come to a game, man. I got to hook you up with some tickies and get you out there. So, so we actually, uh, I think it was CJ who was giving us some tickets for this Sunday's game, yeah. uh, 7 PM. We're going to hope to try to make it, but with the Panthers playing at one and how many beers are consumed between that one and four o'clock <laughs> Panthers game and, and how the kids are, I got two small kids of my own, how their nap time goes depends on, you know how that was. You yeah. know, we better we better plan on the next game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's hey, there you go. Hey, that, that, that's yeah, it. exactly. How, so. about, how about I just put some tickets and we'll call for help? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah, you just leave stuff ready. I'll, I'll look at and, and reach back out to, you and we'll figure that out. But we talked we talked earlier. I see like the, the Carolina basketball with some signatures and the and the Broncos helmet back there. What are you a fan of other teams, professional sports, or I mean, you mentioned college sports and obviously Iowa State, but or is that just something from along the way where you've met people and you're just a fan of obviously the sports environment as it is? You know, I I grew up surrounded in sports. My dad was um, he was a four uh, sport athlete in high school. He coached three sports. He was a high school AD. He was my football and wrestling coach and. Um, I love him to death. He's a, he was a hard ass and and but a, a great role model and father and um, so we were we grew up in the environment of sports and competition in our family and um, but my career has been really good to me on meeting some pretty cool people and be able to do some pretty cool things and I've uh, when I moved. Um, Two homes ago, I decided to unload uh, a lot of memorabilia that um, I was just hauling around the country. And <laughs> I was like, man, this is a pain in the butt. And uh, so I donated it a lot to some charity causes and some other things. And and um, and I've held on to a few artifacts that are meaningful to me. And um, a good friend of mine, Gary Soba, who runs the, the golf tournament here in Charlotte, Used to used to um, be the GM for Chapel Hill Sports Properties, and I like Gary a lot. He, he gave me that Carolina team basketball with Roy's signature and the team signatures oh, nice. on it. And and then um, when I was with Coors out in Denver, um, I got to meet and got to know John Elway. Ooh, nice. um, I, I sponsored a uh, a, a show. Uh, an NFL show that we did at a great sports bar called Jackson's Hole in, uh, uh, in in Denver. And I got to know John really well. And when I left, he signed that helmet for me. And so I've got his helmet there. And um, I've I picked up a few pretty cool things. I did a, when I was, I, I did spend a few years with Pepsi and I did a, a deal with uh, Alex Rodriguez in his last year with the uh, Seattle Mariners. And we did a we did a pretty cool consumer promotion with him, and and he signed a batting helmet. You probably can't see it, but it's on the top shelf. And, um, 
So there's a few, a few fond memories there. But as far as the teams I follow, um, you know, I, I really enjoy college football. And I, I, I like the old style, what I call smash mouth football. <laughs> I, you got to remember, I grew up in the Big Eight. I went to Iowa State and I watched <laughs> I watched University of Nebraska just clean our clock every year, you know. Um, <laughs> and when I was there, they had um, they had Turner Gill and Irving Fryer and Tom Rathman and um, Roger Craig in their backfield. Ooh, and uh, all those guys ended up with long, illustrious NFL pro, uh, careers. But I always loved, at the time, it was Nebraska and Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State that would just run the ball right down your throat and say, "Stop us if you can." <laughs> so I, I always loved that. I, I always loved that style of football. Uh, we ran the power eye in high school, and you know, so it was. Um, I, I, I've always been a Cornhusker fan, just because. You know, it's hard to be an Iowa State football fan. You can, be a, you can be an Iowa State basketball fan. We had some good basketball teams when I was there. We made it to the Sweet 16 one year. Um, but I've always liked University of Nebraska football. It's been pretty lean as of late since Osborne retired. So I'm kind of in mourning and in hiding right now until they uh, figure it out. Um, I... I, I I'm not as I'm a bigger college football fan than I am um, an NFL fan, okay. and uh, I've always liked um, um, I like Tennessee. They've had a, some lean years. I don't know what happened in the former area; it wasn't good. <laughs> but as a young Coors employee, I got to go to Rocky Top and watch uh, Notre Dame play Tennessee there, and. I've never seen a college environment like that anywhere, and it's amazing. Um, I have a feeling that if I went up to App State that I'd probably fall in love with the game day environment up there. Oh, I think I you would. I think you would. I, I, I need to put that on my punch list, my bucket list, whatever you want to call it, and, and get up and see a game there. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I still love baseball. Um, it Baseball, you know, I played Little League and tried to play in high school. I wasn't very good. Um, but, you know, when I was with the Pirates, my boys were really young, like two and four. And um, they loved to come to the ballpark with me. And and uh, and they were around the game a lot, those 81 home game schedules. And they started their t-ball. And, um, you know, when we moved here, I started coaching baseball. And I built a youth organization that, at the height of it. We had 14 teams, and I'd use my skills in sports to get Rawlings to sponsor us, and we had a really nice run. But um, my, my two boys played um, on those teams, and then, uh, and then we had uh, my younger boy, or my older boy, um, committed to play at Coastal Carolina in 2019, and my younger son um, committed and, and uh, is now a freshman at three-time in a row, I believe, Big South Champs Campbell University over in Hughes Creek, yeah. um, and I, I talk to him every day. He loves it over there. So I, my baseball, um, I really 
still like to follow the Pirates. It's kind of a love-hate relationship because they just don't compete with with salaries and, and building their rosters. But, you know, i got a soft spot in my heart there. But I also, I always tend to seem to gravitate back to where I grew up. And um, my professional sports franchises, I like the Kansas City Chiefs a lot. Um, and I like the Denver Broncos a lot because of my time in Denver. And uh, baseball, I like the Pirates and the Rockies. Um, I was fortunate enough when I was with Coors to work on the naming rights deal to Coors Field. So I spent four years uh, just embedded in Coors Field and, um, and using that in the retail trade with our distributors and stuff. So uh, got to go to a lot of Rockies games. That's a, that's a heck of a lot of fun. So those are my sports teams. Um, around here, I really like um, – I really like the baseball and the college scene. This yeah. is just incredible baseball state uh, for college. Um, and I like a good old um, – I like Clemson a bit. Um, I like Dabo. I like he's kind of no-nonsense and seems to be pretty principled, and I tend to gravitate to folks like that. So um, he's finding it hard, you know. Yeah. It's, it's hard to stay on top. Yeah, well – it's tough when you go from a Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence to now he thought Ugalele was going to be one of those guys, but when they don't live up to that potential, you got to start coaching a little bit more than you're used to because those NFL prospects cover up a lot of you know errors that could happen on the field. So it, it'll be interesting no to see how that season shakes out. Now you said – Go how'd you like to be? How'd you like to be that kid? The weight of the world on his shoulders after Watson and Trevor Lawrence come through there. Yeah, it's, uh, look, I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be tough, but it's always interesting. I mean, you, you know, you brought up Tennessee earlier. After Peyton Manning, I mean, it's tough to follow those greats into a program and try to, you know, because everyone's got those expectations. So it. it he seems to not be taken. I don't know if they the offensive coordinator doesn't trust him. I watched that game this past week where they lost to NC State. It just felt like they didn't trust him to throw the ball, or he just didn't throw the ball. It was one of the two there, you know, unless you're on the sidelines or in the, you know, the coaching headset. But it was tough to watch Clemson play like that because they hadn't played like that in a long time. Yeah, I, I agree. I do think there's some good things, you know, happening at NC State and, and Chapel Hill with football. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you get someone in that can recruit like Mac Brown and, you know, everybody wants to be a light switch and go from, you know, not such good football to great football in, in such a short period of time. But, man, it takes time to build a program. You guys know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, But I hope they give Mac enough time and, and, and let him get four or five recruiting classes of his on the field. And I think. I think they'll like the football there if they do. Yeah. So when you were working at Coors, did they give you like an allotment of beer a week? Like you got a case of beer. You know what was what, what were the pluses of working at Coors? Because because yeah. we've known you know, and you also and we can we know you know I work I work at Fox Sports. We're you know we do a lot of racing and we've seen we've met people who work like for uh, Penske and Brad Keselowski and he's got Miller Lite and they get. You know, Miller Lite drops off two cases of beer at their race shop every week, and then every employee gets to take out two a week or whatever it is. So what was it like on your side? I know you say it's been it's been years now. What were the hookups that you poss- that you got while you were there? 
Brother, I was like Norm Peterson from Cheers every time I lived because I was single. And I was out. I'm not going to lie to you. I was out. And I, I, I was, I was like I like to say, I was enjoying the product vigorously. And, and, uh, and so I, I had an expense account. And okay. all I'll tell you is I never had an expense report rejected. And some of them were pretty, pretty hefty. But part of our job was to go out in, in, in clubs and, and buy people beer and sample our beers if they were, you know, if they were, especially if they were drinking somebody else's beers to, to get them to try it. And, you know, most people will try free beer. Some people get kind of, um, kind of surly. They got their favorite. They don't want to be messed with, you know, but, yeah. um, but we we had a pretty liberal spending policy, and and uh, you know, for I'll tell you a quick story. My second to last position uh, before I went to Golden, I was over a, about five states out of Kansas City. There's the Chiefs connection because I sponsored the Chiefs, and the tailgating experience of the Chiefs is unlike anything else. And if you talk, even the NFL executives, if they say well, who's got the best tailgating, everybody points to the Chiefs. They if they got a six o'clock game at night. They open the gates at seven a.m. and they just they bring, <laughs> they bring in massive barbecue rigs, and I mean it's it's an, it's an event by itself. I mean, it is so much fun. Um, but it's funny because when I when when I left college and I, I went in through their training program they said hey um you have a territory open and we're going to send you your first territory i was like great and it was like it's nebraska i was like oh <laughs> I, was like, I was like man i just grew up in iowa all my life and you're going to send me back to nebraska right on the border <laughs> so I, I went I, I was sentenced there for two and a half years and then they moved me to oklahoma city and we did some, uh, honestly, it was a small market in Nebraska, but we did really good things in what everybody said was a mature state. We grew the business. I got the distributors fired up, and we did some good things. And I got promoted to Oklahoma City, which doesn't sound real sexy, but um, it was the highest volume and highest profitability market for Coors Brewing Company in the country. Oh. And we went through this big reorganization where we became part of a different region, and our regional office was in Chicago. And I'm sitting in Oklahoma City with a 42 market share. And within our geography, we have Detroit and Minneapolis and Chicago, where we have a two market share in declining. And so our regional VP, um, who oversaw the whole territory, and the head marketing guy, they had, their, they had the tiger by the tail in those three cities. And they came to me and said, you got a $2 million budget for field marketing. We need a plan. If we like the plan, we're going to let you do it. We need you to just run the state because we got our hands full of Minneapolis and Chicago and Detroit. They approved the plan and I had so much fun for two and a half years. <laughs> we, we had a lot of fun. I met a lot of people that wanted to have fun and, and we did. Um, but we had a good time there and, uh, and we spent all two million of it, most of it, most of it in nightclub promotions and things like that. And we just had a really good time with it. Um, and then, 
after that, I went to Kansas City and then to Denver. But um, at the time when I started at the brewery, um, when I did move to Golden, the policy at the brewery they had they had an employee beer trailer. Okay. And every employee was entitled to two cases a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you could drive down to the trailer, just pull up and show your ID, and they put ask you what you want. And and they put it in your car and they checked you off the list for that week and it was it was pretty liberal and then what was even crazier now I don't know if you've ever been to a, a big brewery or not there's a lot of moving mechanical parts yeah. on the line oh yeah. And, yeah you know you can lose a finger in there but yeah. <laughs> on, on breaks those guys used they they had tap rooms at the end of the tour you could go on brewery tours as consumers. And they had a big pub at the end of it. Well, the line workers on their breaks could go in and have beers. <laughs> and hey, you, got yeah. guys, you, got, you got guys working <laughs> on mechanical lines throwing back beers. And then at the end of the day, they could go in there. And then eventually they had to kind of tighten the reins on because uh, those mad mothers got involved and said that they, they, they didn't like that. And rightfully so. They, they, they reeled that in a bit. Um, but it, when I first started with it, man, it was it was the wild west. It was, oh, it was pretty it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean that's two two cases a week is just that's a nice little. I mean you can drink it yourself. That's a good gift for somebody. It's I mean that's a good little stash there. So, yeah. so eventually though, when you went from Coors and you leave there, I mean, obviously you enjoy like you said you enjoyed the product vigorously, but at some point it's time to take the next step, right? Like, okay, I'm in the beer world, but whoo, it's tough. Those, those days and nights get a little bit longer and those mornings get a little bit rougher having to go out and keep, you know, enjoying that product. Was that kind of the switch to something else or was it another, just uh, something else opened up and you got lucky, as you say, in finding another opening? Well, I got lucky and I'm, I'm, I met a woman that was willing to put up with me. Yeah. And, um, and she, she worked at our agency, our ad agency in Denver. And uh, I, I met her at a Rockies game and uh, just fell in love with her. And, and she's my wife to this day. We've been married for, this is this year's our 25th year. Oh, and nice. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. And um, what I realized was that it was, I, I was not going to be the man I she needed me to be and, we both wanted kids, and as much fun as I had in the beer business, it's a it's a hard business on a family. Yeah, and uh, and I realized that you know I needed to make a change in in that, um, and uh, we both wanted to have kids right away, um, and it was it was kind of neat in that. Um, at the time, I decided that I wanted to make a change. I was—I I feel like I was doing some really good work around the sports properties. I had written a plan for Coors. At the time, we were, you know, for many, many, many years, decades, uh, Coors was the number one beer in Colorado. And everybody that traveled out there to ski, you know, we were only in 14 states for the longest time. And it was a luxury to be able to get Coors beer. And, and we just... We had a. Oh, sorry about that, fellas. I got a dog that's going nuts here. But anyway, 
we we were uh, we were in those original states, and what what we ended up needing to do was was expand. And when they expanded, they siphoned marketing funds off of the core fourteen states, and they started to lose market share. So Anheuser Busch built builds a brewery up in Fort Collins and starts to eat Coors's lunch. Mm. And so when uh, when I was in Denver. Um, Leo Kiley and a bunch of guys from Pepsi and Frito Lay came in to help manage the company because Peter Coors realized, man, we got to get bigger quicker. We're gonna we're gonna go out of business. And Stroh's went away, Heilman went away, Pabst didn't go away, but they got bought up and, um, and and the brand went dormant for a while. And somebody bought the rights. And there's only really two brewers left of, of major significance, and and it's they're huge international conglomerates. So they were, I was in charge of marketing in Colorado and a bunch of other States. And, and Leo Kiley asked me what we needed to do. And I said, we need to have a plan. I said, if we have millions of people visiting this state to, you know, to come skiing and you can't even find our beers on the ski slopes. Yeah, I said go go up there. I've been going up there for two years. You can't even find our products, and um, and I said and we're advertising, you know, Rocky Mountain spring water and all this Rocky Mountain imagery, and people come out here and they can't even find it. And he said, write a plan, a retake Colorado plan, and and so I did, and we did. We retook Colorado, and the folks at Pepsi saw all, all that we were doing and they found out that I was responsible for it. And sure enough, they came a calling and asked if I, would, if I would consider coming to work for them. And that was right at the time that I, I met my beautiful wife and that I really needed to get out of the court, out of the beer business. And, uh, Pepsi offered me a, a position up in Seattle and, and we moved to Seattle and, uh, I can, I can remember that don't get fooled. If you ever get recruited for a job in Seattle, you go there and interview in June and July and it's beautiful. I mean, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, but my God, when you get to uh, September through essentially April, it is gray and rainy. And I can, I can remember it was a, it was a hundred. I was, it was July, January 2nd. And I was driving into the city to go to work. And at the time, they actually had disc jockeys on the radio and said, welcome to the 101st consecutive day of measurable precipitation. Wow. And I called and I called my wife and I said, call the realtor. we got to get out of here. Put the house <laughs> over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, we, and we did. We yeah. moved. I, I, got, I got the job with the National Hot Rod Association down in California. And... Uh, and we moved, and, and we got out of the rain. Um, but yeah, I, I, I needed to get out of it, and I, I watched a good friend of mine uh, essentially drink himself to death uh, in the beer business. Yeah, he, he ended up getting um, just damaged his immune system so badly from just drinking too much. And, yeah, and I watched him pass away at a very young age, and and it it it, it showed me, man, I gotta. I got to be a little wiser in the way I treat my body, and and I had the motivation of a, a beautiful wife and 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 kids fairly quickly after that. So it was 
best best career decision I made. I'm convinced I probably wouldn't be here talking to you guys today if I would have stayed on that path. Yeah, you were be- still, better to do it early enjoy, on. Yeah, but I still enjoy a cold beer. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to. So I think one of the questions I think one of the questions on this list of this this Magna Carta of questions you sent me <laughs> is what's your favorite beer? And I got to tell you, I, I love the craft beer scene in in uh, in Charlotte. It reminds me of when I was at Coors, um, a little beer called Fat Tire came onto the market. Oh yeah. And, it was kicking everybody's butt out in Denver and Colorado. They were taking market share from everybody. And um, and there was another brewery out there called Odell's, and they started to spring up out there real early. And so I think it's really cool what's going on here. And um, There's a beer that uh, – there's a fairly new brewery called Devil's Logic. Yep. Um, and uh, they've got a beer uh, called Banga Yui. Okay. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um one of the best beers I've ever tasted. Yeah. So I, I, I still have many more to, to sample in this town, which I'm checking off as I go. Yeah, so so my wife and I, a couple years ago, we love going to breweries, and especially in Charlotte. And, and I mean, the state of North Carolina's got a ton of them. We started doing brewery reviews, where we go on, you, we basically shoot it, we just talk about it, and we put it up on YouTube, When we just show like what the beers look like, we talk about what they taste, the atmosphere, the bathrooms, the parking, all that stuff, and that just kind of helped us get our creative juices flowing on something that we enjoy doing as a couple. And then, you know, as you have kids, you can't go out as much or turn up, you know, drink as many beers, but we still like to do that as, you know, going out, checking out. Now it's, it's such like a family atmosphere at a lot of these breweries. I and mean, we've checked out Devil's Logic. It's a good little spot. And I love a good – you brought up Fat Tire, which that's New Belgium, which has, yep. a, which has a spot, you know, in Asheville – Jeeves has a great store. We were out one time uh, at Fox and the Hound, or I can't remember what bar place we were. Was, he looks, he goes to order it, and he's like, yeah, can I get one of those flat tires? And we all, <laughs> we all looked at him, and we're like, flat tire? What are you talking about? And, like, the waiter's looking at him like, I, I don't think. Yeah. And we were like, Jeeves, you mean fat tire? Oh, yeah, 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 fat tire, fat tire. So yeah. <laughs> every, time I, every time I see that beer, I just think of that story, even though it's a, it's a good beer, but, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so before we get to that notebook question, I got one more for you, and then we'll let so you choose. I, I got a question for Miss. Oh, go ahead, Jeez. Go ahead. Hey, so when you talking about like the soccer levels, what is how many levels are there, and do does every level like have a major league team that they can go to, or do they have to go so high then get drafted by the MLS or? go playing overseas or whatever? That's a good question. Um, in the United States, the hierarchy of soccer, they call Division One, is MLS. Division Two is USL Championship, which we play in. Okay. And that, that would be the equivalent of AAA baseball. Okay. okay. Um, you have guys there that are pounding on the door real close to get to MLS or Europe. And you have guys that have been in the show that have been, you know, for the lack of a better term, demoted, and they're fighting like heck to get back. Gotcha. And then USL League One is Division Three, And what you'll find there, Jeeves, is younger players that have a lot of skill, but maybe not the physicality yet to play at that MLS level, 
some of those guys are huge. I mean, yeah. we've got a guy, Kevin Rioscos from Columbia. Kevin's, man, he's an Adonis. I mean, you should see this guy. He is amazing and just brute strength. When he's on the pitch and running down the field, he's a defender. He just literally, at full speed running down the field, just muscles guys off the ball and physically pushes them off the ball and just takes it away from them. He's amazing. Um, but Kevin's the kind of guy that played in, in Columbia at a very high level. And there's so many leagues and teams in Central America, South America, and Europe. And it's, it's to me, it, it's very confusing to, to the novice. Um, I still can't tell you the, the whole European structure. <laughs> but, but the English Premier League is, is the pinnacle and they have a neat, um, they have a neat thing called relegation, Jeeves, where you have a pool of teams, and if you finish in the bottom four, you get relegated to the division below you. Mm-hmm. And the best teams in that division below get moved up. Mm-hmm. So you have incentive to perform, or because the monies that the teams get in English Premier League, just from the TV rights fees, is enormous. And so, now, it's a double-edged sword. When you move up, your player expenses and a lot of the things really go through the roof, but there's a huge TV distribution and other league distributions that help you absorb those extra costs. Um, but, you know, we've got some guys on our team like Christian Fuchs, who's played in English Premier League at the highest levels, won a championship there. We've got a guy named Joel Johnson who's come up through Real Madrid's program. We've got a couple other guys from France that have played at the highest levels in Europe. Um, And it's funny, as they get in the twilight of their careers over in Europe, you see a lot of them want to come to the United States. They They want to live here. Yeah. And they... They know it's a great place to live, and, and they want to come play soccer in their final years and and, and grow some roots in the, in, in the States. And some of them want to stay for good. Some of them want to just uh, play a few more years and, and be here because it's a great place to live. So my final one before we get to the notebook question is, what do you think, what's your the moment you're most proud of so far in your career? In my career? Yeah. Um, man, that's a tough one. You can go top three if it's hard to choose just one. <laughs> I've been I've been really blessed. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, one of the I I was I, I can compartmentalize this in a couple things. One was um, I'll I'll do a couple. One was uh. When I left Coors, I've been there ten years and um, and uh, won some national awards and things like that. And um, and one of the things that I did, if you remember, I told you my first territory was Nebraska. Yeah. Well, Nebraska was one of those original fourteen states, and the distributors were really pissed because they felt like the brewery. Had cut their resources to fuel expansion into other states. And they were, they were correct in that. 
Um, Coors did not mortgage their expansion. They cut budgets in their core 14 states and used that money to methodically open up other states and use those marketing dollars to help launch. Um, so I was the area manager there, and they were they were surly, and you know I didn't know anything other than hard work that my dad taught me. And, and I just shot straight with them. And I told them, man, if you guys will work hard for me, I will fight like hell for resources for you guys. But, but we got to make it pay out. You got to perform in the market. And they did. And in two and a half years, they got me promoted to the highest market share and, and revenue. And when I, one thing that they said for two and a half years, every time we got together, you need to get us Nebraska football. You need to get us Nebraska football. Well, at the time, Budweiser was in their 27th year in a row of sponsoring Nebraska football. Mm. And I said, guys, when I left, I said, guys, when I, there's going to be a day. I don't know when, there's going to be a day. And Nebraska football is going to become available. And I'm going to get it for you. And you're going to fund half of it, and I'm going to get half the money for it. And by God, if you tell me no, I will never return your phone calls again. And they started laughing. I said, I'm not. I'm serious. I know you want this, and I want this for you. So when I was in Kansas City just before I moved to Denver, I got a call from a guy. And he had bought the rights to the broadcast rights and the marketing rights to Cornhusker football from a longtime incumbent that had been there for, that had broadcast their games and sold their media rights for like 30 years. And so he went to market, this new guy with the rights, and put a package in front of Anheuser-Busch, and they said, no, it's outlandish, it's crazy. I think it was like, if memory serves me, I was like $230,000, okay? Yeah. Not that, not that much in yeah. today's term, yeah. right? Yeah. You spread that across 10 distributors, it's 23000 You cut that in half because the brewery's paying for half. It's like 12000 a distributor, right? Yeah. It, was, it was nothing. Um, but the guy didn't want to be with Anheuser-Busch, and I negotiated the hell out of, it, of our rights. I, I, incredible signage package, incredible media, but more importantly, we got – Unbelievable promotional rights. I got uh, the rights to do a sweepstakes to win, to run out and retrieve the, the kickoff tee after the kickoffs. I won. I negotiated the rights to put Herbie Husker on a beer can, and, and we did Coors Light cans with the Big 8 championship years and national championship years and Herbie Husker. And So anyway, when I ended up leaving Coors, they threw a bank. They threw a going away party for me at one of my favorite Norm Peterson places, and all ten of the Nebraska distributors surprised me and came into town, and they gave me this. Nice. Um, oh, nice. And, and it says Rudy on it from the from the uh, Notre Dame uh, movie. Yeah. 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 The manager. They gave me this. They nicknamed me Rudy because I just fought like hell for him when I was there. And they, they all came to Denver to say goodbye and brought me this and thanked me for all that I had done for them. So that was pretty cool. And then the other thing, um, when I went out to Sonoma to work in NASCAR, 
you know, it was Sears Point Raceway, and it had nothing to do with Sears and Roebuck chain. It, Sears was a, a uh, explorer way back when that it was named after Sears Point um, on San Pablo Bay. And, you know, it was a road course, and it's an afterthought in NASCAR at the time. It's, you know, I called it the stepchild track of NASCAR. We're out in Northern California, and uh, nobody liked road courses. And um, long story short, we sold the naming rights to Infineon Technologies. It was for 10 years and $34.6 million. And today, it still stands as the largest individual track sponsorship in the history of the sport. But more importantly to me was when I sold that, I told them, we're getting up against a deadline of where I felt like it was wise for them to pull the trigger. And I said, listen, guys, you have to do this for NASCAR weekend when we have 250 riders and photographers here. Yeah. And I said, here's what we're going to do on Saturday. When we have our NASCAR West series support race, this place is going to be Sears point Raceway. And after that race is done and we clear everybody out, we're going to take every sign down that says Sears Point Raceway, 42 of them. We're going to redecal 26 vehicles, which was 26, 26 vehicles, take the Sears Point idea. We're going to take every envelope, every business card, everything that says Sears Point Raceway in a matter of eight hours. We're going to convert this entire facility to Infineon Raceway. And the agency said, you're crazier in hell. You can't do that. <laughs> and I had a plan in my hand in that meeting. And I said, yes, I can, and here's how. And I had every sign, every piece of station, everything that we needed to convert. It was hundreds of things in one night. I had the teams assigned. I had the vendors ready to go. And I said, we're going to do this. And when everybody comes back for that NASCAR race, this is going to be Infineon Raceway, and you're going to unveil it. People are going to crap because it was done in one night and we pulled it and we pulled it off flawlessly. Nice. yeah nice. it was amazing i mean everybody thought i was crazy and i probably was a little bit crazy but <laughs> it, it, it delivered the impact that they wanted and my goodness was it fun to see a team come together and perform you know yeah absolutely we were, all, we were all on radios and so when one group got their tasks done i would find out who was a little bit behind and We'd take those people that just finished their stuff and moved them over to the where the where the other guys were falling a little bit behind. And um, it was it was pretty amazing. It was probably the neatest thing of watching a team execute together. Um, and I, I guess the third thing would be, you know, it'll tell you a little bit about me. I don't. Um, it, it's not one, but it's many. I I really enjoy. Uh, helping young people in their income earning. And I get a great thrill out of watching them be able to buy their first house or buy a more reliable car or be able to go on a nice honeymoon when they get married. Those are the kinds of things now where I'm at in my career where I really enjoy being able to help young people get their feet on the ground and, and start their careers and and just see them get on with life and, and be able to reach some of those milestones. And buy, buying houses is, is something I really 
enjoy watching people do because I think that's it's not just the American dream, but you know, it's it's a great way for them to create wealth in their life over years, and uh, and I really like to see young people be able to do those things. So nice. I, I like to celebrate those things a lot with them. Nice, nice. Those hey, that's solid. Three great answers right there. Yeah, cool. yeah. Cool. All cool. right, so. Do you want to use that question, or do you want to pick another one? Oh, uh, let me see here. Well, you while you look for there, it is our, uh, what is it, Jeeves, you got the horn? I'm ready. All right, go ahead, Jeeves, hit it. There, there it is. It's our warehouse <laughs> distillery, wine under the bridge notebook. So while Tim either decides if he wants to use that one or pick another one, we'll do a little bit of housekeeping. So it is our NFL Pick'em Top Ten. Real quick, oh. Travis is in first, Jeff's in second, Jerry in his third, Levi's fourth, Eddie Hutto's fifth, Kevin's sixth, Wes is seventh, Kyle, uh, Kyle's eighth, Caleb is ninth with a K, and then Caleb with a C is tenth. I can't remember where you are, geez. I know I'm somewhere in the 30s, you know, we're still... Me too. So, I'm, 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 I'm done there with you, man. I didn't have a good week. <laughs> um, and then also, for our Survivor Fantasy game, the only two people... To get the first voted out correctly was uh, Nina Glass and Charles Eliezer, which is uh, Michael's soon-to-be father-in-law. So only two people out of 60-some people got that right. And then Abraham and Sarah went home first on that one. So if you got those, you got those points. But, Tim, have you got a question are you still gazing? Well, I've got one. Uh, favorite gym song to play? I would tell you that um – Pretty much anything Metallica, okay. but Misery, I, the the just the it, it's more of the instrumental than the words. It just I it pumps me up. Okay, I, I, I love the the tune of that song gets me jacked up to to do just about anything. To be honest with you, not just the gym. Who uh, uh and who was who put that question in there? Uh, let's see here. Brittany McKinney. All right, so Brittany's got right. it. I had it's funny you say that. The first one that comes to mind, I had been hitting the gym in a while with two young kids. It's hard to balance that life when you got to watch them and try to get some sleep and all that. But I don't know if you've ever seen that movie uh, Last of the Mohicans. Oh, yeah. And the very ending scene where they're running through the woods, that music, it just, anytime I needed to finish a set on the treadmill or whatever, I would just crank that up and it would just make me feel like I was getting chased and I would run a little bit faster than that. So I'll go, I can't remember. <laughs> but that's the first thing that came to my head when you said that one. So, Well, that's that's a great movie, by the way. It is, it is. Um. What's your favorite thing about summer from Kevin Petriella? Well, see, first would, we gotta let we gotta let Duval and Jeeves answer their favorite gym song. Okay. All right, Jeeves, uh, what you got? Jeeves, what you got? Man, I'm like I'm like Jake. I ain't been to the gym in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get back. Um, I would have to say I know Duval probably remembers. Um, but when the I can't I, I think it was Nelly when the high school basketball team used to come out. Um, oh, yeah, champion! Yeah, oh, champion. That man. one just like 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 Jake said, like if you're running or if you're doing anything like with with the legs or the arms or whatever, you hit that song comes on or whatever, it just makes you go a little bit harder for for that for that little bit. But that would be that would be the one that I would. I would go to. 
All right, Duval. Okay, so, so this is tough, but um, I kind of narrowed it down to just one, and I've got a couple. And I don't, I, I'm not a gym person, as you know. I'm a, I'm become a runner now. So like, um, if I'm like, if I have like instances where I have long runs or kind of finish out a run, or this past week I was in Charleston um, for my bridge run. Like when I calculate that last mile, there's a there's a song by Nipsey Hussle called Victory Lap. So that is kind of like my, I guess my song that kind of gets me through. The other one will be March Madness, which I know you know about, yeah. as well, but it would be Victory Lap. Yes. <laughs> All right, Tim, we'll give you one more to choose, and then we'll wrap this up. It's been a solid pod, so get one more question out. Sure. This is from Corey Frost. If I could bring one person back from the dead. Who would it be and why? Um, Jimi Hendrix. Ooh, okay. Um, just, we did not get to enjoy enough of his unbelievable talent. And okay. I hate to say this, you could throw three more, ten more rock entertainers in there yeah. with that. Right? But um, just an un- unbelievably talented young man and um i like to throw things I, I i like to do things a little unorthodox sometimes at at the games and the other night instead of playing leanne rhymes or somebody singing the national anthem i played hendrix playing it on his guitar and you know i, I i'll do things like that to kind of just change things up a little bit and and uh it was it was, it was pretty cool when i lived in seattle the seattle grunge rock was really kicking ass with yeah. Soundgarden and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and um, just incredible music coming out of the Seattle music scene. And uh, and it was a really, really cool time to live there. Um, so, you know, some of my favorite music that I still listen to is in that era. I love Pearl Jam. Um, one of the cool things I got to do when I was with Pittsburgh is we hosted the Rolling Stones um, at PNC Park, and I didn't really care about that. I was jacked up because Pearl Jam was the opening band. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, and I got and after after they got done playing, I went down in the in the tunnel underneath the grandstands where all the locker rooms and green rooms were, and went to Pearl Jam's green room, and there's this enormous guy there just scared to look at him you know and I just introduced myself and just said man I've been a huge fan since I lived in Seattle is there any way I could meet Mr. Vetter and he said well he's right over there and the guy was 10 feet away from me holding his baby and his, and his girlfriend <laughs> and and I got to meet Eddie Vetter and that was a really cool night and uh, really quiet down to earth dude really good dude and uh, and little did I know, but um, they, had, they circled back and found out my name again. And the band signed a tour poster and had it framed and, and they mailed it to me. And I oh, just thought, cool. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Class act. Yeah. Just a classy thing to do. And, yeah. and so, but that was, that was a pretty cool night. Um, but yeah, I think Hendrix would be great to hear. I think he had a heck of a lot more to offer. Absolutely. Uh, music talent-wise. All I right. Like, I, like, I like music a lot, so I kind of gravitate to that. All right, Duval, who you got? 
Um, I guess if you want to just stay in the music business and, and you know, shy away from, I guess, like family, so to speak, because everybody would want to bring some family members back. Um, but I would say kind of what I just said, uh, Nipsey Hussle, like he, to me, he was going to, so he had a lot of great music and did a lot of things he did in the community in California. Um, and a lot of, you know, just insight he gave to the community on, on, you know, wealth and, you know, trying to change the narrative and being better and finding ways to get out. Um, and his music was just amazing. I think he was kind of one of those, he only put out a few albums, but he was kind of just really getting into that that mode where a lot of people were noticing him because he was out on the West Coast. Not a lot of people on the East Coast knew about him, and I didn't know about him until maybe a year or two before he was killed. Um, just by a couple of friends of mine that said, hey, man, this guy's really good. Um, but he, 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 a lot of his interviews, he was really ahead of his time. And, uh, a lot of his mentalities of what he was trying to do was really ahead of his time. So um, I would say the late Nip Hustle. Jeeves. Um, I mean, if you want to stay in the, I don't want to stay in the music, but, um, I would, I would personally, uh, want to see, uh, Kobe come back, not because of his basketball skills, um, cause everybody knows it was, it was great on the court just for his like movie skills. Cause I mean, he did that one short documentary. I mean, you couldn't, you never, we never got to see where he could have gone with the, movies or tv shows or anything like that outside of the basketball game so i would have loved to see seen what he could have done on the on that movie side or documentary or something like that maybe be the next spike lee i'll go i'll keep it simple first person that came to mind was uh sam mills I think uh, oh, yeah. on another one just with the charlotte community i mean i remember meeting him in a burger king as a kid and him signing cards and footballs for us. It was down there on Beatty's Four Road way back in the day, and uh, he just meant so much. Now, I know his impact of basically going through cancer and then passing away left a lot for the the Panthers community to live off on. I mean, keep poundings in their – it's everywhere now. It's in the back of their jerseys. But I feel like if he would have made it through and lived a little longer, you know, I think he could have done a lot more for the community and a lot more for this, this state and this area. So I, I'd, I'd go where, right on the back of that one. So – yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Tim, man, the man of many, many jobs, many lives, many stories. It's great to have you on, man. You're definitely, we could definitely have you back and do a whole nother one. We'll have to, you know, get up with you on some tickets to get out and, and see a couple of games. And I guess we forgot from the top. If if you want anybody to find you on social medias, do you have any? Can you be found? Do you want to be found? Uh, not really. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I have personal ones that yeah. are more dedicated to my family stuff, and I've had a couple of yahoos infiltrate those. And fair enough. And it's not very fun. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, honestly, I, I have my I have my phone and my email on our website. Gotcha. Because uh, I, I want people – you know, I want people to get in touch with me. Yeah. Um, I, I've found a lot of social media stuff is just caustic, you know, <laughs> and, and, yeah. I, and I try to be, I try to be a positive dude. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I encourage people to pick up the phone and, and talk with me and, and, you know, 
know, shoot me a note directly and I'll usually respond, hey, give me your phone number, I'd love to talk to you. And, uh, you know, if they're not happy, I want to hear why. And I want to try to fix it for them if I can. But um, I, I tend to keep the social media just kind of personal. Yeah. Um, but if I see something on our team, social media and stuff, that I, I look at it frequently every day. And if I see something that uh, anybody's not happy with something we're doing and stuff, you know, if it sounds like something that we shouldn't be doing, I, I look into it right away. And a lot of times I'll DM folks and say, hey, this is Tim. Give me a call. Here's my number. And it's amazing when we talk to each other. You yeah, know? I mean, absolutely. It's, uh, I think it's what we're made to do. Yeah. You know, and be in relation with each other. So I'll, I'll stick with that. Perfect. That mind. works. But, uh, yeah, you guys got to come to a game. I'll, Absolutely. Uh, October 16th, I think, will be a big one. I uh, think okay. there's playoff implications on it. And we should have a good crowd. And if you guys are free that night, let me know. I'd love to have you out. And uh, Yeah, I mean, if you, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. I'd be happy to do it again. And yeah, it man. Fun. It was good. It, yeah, it was yeah. definitely good chatting with you. Like I said, I, you brought plenty of stories. I know you got plenty more to tell with all your experiences and your knowledge. It's always good to – you know, as my dad always says, be a sponge and just soak up enough knowledge as you can, no matter what day it is and what you're doing. So it was great to talk to you, Tim. And, you know, any, do you have any final thoughts, any final words before we sign off here? I just think what you're doing is awesome. I think it's what today's technology allows us to do and, and, and communicate and just get to know new people and stuff. Um, That's one of the things why I love sports. I think sports brings people together. And here's a forum of, you know, sports fans that loves Charlotte, love sports that, you know, the technology is helping bring together. So um, let us know how we can help you grow it. We'd love to help you grow, grow, grow this. And uh, I appreciate your positivity a lot. There's, yeah, man. That's, it's, it's awesome. So, I appreciate yeah, it. Like I said, I appreciate it. Uh, CJ reaching out to me and then us being able to link up. And like I said, hopefully we can collaborate and do more stuff in the future. Cause I know we'd love to do that. So, all right, we'll get out of here. Uh, stick around for a little bit after Tim so we get a screen grab to promote on social medias. We'll just tag the independents and put your name then, other than, you know, <laughs> we'll keep it that easy so people can find you and send them, send them over to your website. That's cool. And <laughs> independents is good. Thank All right. you, guys. Well, uh, Duval, uh, Duval, man, how do we end the podcast? As always, peace. Peace.